Now I am coming to the knowledge transfers from India to China. A large number of Sanskrit manuscripts were carried to China either by Chinese scholars or by Indian scholars hired by Chinese kings. So we, we spoke earlier about Yuan Sang and uh, Yi Jing. Those were the scholars who came from China to India. But actually from India also a large number of scholars, Sanskrit scholars went to China. And they lived for long years there translating because uh, for the Chinese it was considered to be a very, uh, a very important job to get the Sanskrit works translated into Chinese as, as, as quickly as possible, as many as possible. So you, you can literally fill a whole book with the uh, works of translation done by the professors. So the, the first two who went to China were Kashyapa Matanga and Dharmaratna. So they made a very difficult journey. They went across uh, Chinese Turkestan, Gobi Desert and again they had a very difficult uh, journey and on top of that they had to learn Chinese which, which had a totally different syntax from Sanskrit but they did it and when they did it, it was like they started a deluge. Oh, so many scholars followed them. Sangha Varma, Dharma Satya, Dharma Kala, Mahabala, Vigna, Dharma Phala, a whole lot of them. I could, I could not fill in all of, uh, fit them all here. And they were not just from northern India. For example, Dharma Ruchi was a scholar from southern India. He went to China, lived there for 20 years and he translated 53 works into Chinese. So there was, uh, people knew that, you know, there is a demand for them in China. So if they didn't, were not happy with what they were getting in India, they would move to China. It was not, not always a happy outcome because this person, poor fellow called Dharmakshema was being uh, wooed by two kings, two Chinese kings and in the crossfire he got shot by an assassin. This happened with uh, some other uh, scholars as well. Amoga Vajra was another scholar. He collected 500 texts from different parts of India and went to China and he, he got many titles from uh, Chinese kings. And he is called the founder of uh, the Tantric Buddhism. Uh, and he had another, uh, there is another incident with him. When he uh, translated, he, he spent years and years translating. The poor fellow took leave to go back to India. The moment he stepped foot in India, he got a message that he needs to go back. Because the Chinese king wants him back. And he, without seeing his family, he had to go back. Indian astronomers and mathematicians from the best universities held high positions in China's scientific establishments. A big example is Gautama Siddha. Uh, so his uh, Chinese name was Kutan Siddha. One of the reasons why you would probably not know who is uh, who was an Indian uh, professor in China is that their names would be changed. They would have a Chinese name. So that's why we probably don't know all the Indians who went to China. Kutan Siddha he was called and he became president of China's official board of astronomy in the 8th century. He translated Navagraha calendar to Chinese. He introduced Indian numerals to China. And the invention of printing press is attributed to Buddhist scholars who went from India to China. Today we know that uh, printing was invented in China, but the work was done by Buddhist scholars who went from uh, India. And printing was used as a means to spread Buddhist thought. This is a statue of Kumarajiva. Not many of us have heard about him, but he is well known in China. Kumarajiva, he, uh, he basically grew up in Kashmir and Kocha and uh, he translated more than 100 Sanskrit works which are considered masterpieces of Chinese literature. The Diamond Sutra, which is a very valuable work in Buddhism, 
was translated by him. And uh, this statue is in Xinjiang in uh, China. And he was like a, one of the, he was considered a very brilliant person by the Chinese. And uh, so he, uh, they have honored him, but we don't know anything about him. 